0: First Peter. If you have your Bibles or your phone handy, uh, please turn with me to First Peter, chapter four. First Peter, chapter four, and we're going to be reading in verses twelve. I'm going to be reading verse twelve down through verse nineteen. This is our text this morning, and uh, we're gonna again, we're going to study this passage. We've been going through First Peter with Pastor Todd and me the last few weeks, and fighting as victors from First Peter. And so let me just. Let me just take a moment and uh, read this. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading at verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting with verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached, verse 14, for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, He, w- he is blasphemed, but on your part, He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Verse 18, now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? And then verse 19. <clears throat> Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as a faithful creator. Um, I'm not going to pl- pray three times in a row, but let me pray. We'll ask God's blessing in our Bible study. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that uh, you've given us this opportunity to study First Peter together. And Father, I just pray now that you'd use your word in a mighty way. Ho- open our hearts. And help us to be receptive to what you have for us, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to talk with you today about suffering so that God is glorified. Last week, if you were here, we talked about living so that God is glorified from the passage. And then Peter makes a switch, and he talks a lot. I just read it to you. He talks a lot about the idea of suffering. Okay? let me just point out to you in this passage and uh, we're going we're going to go through this uh, my my clicker for some reason is not advancing the slides <clears throat> but but notice while while we're taking well, we're working on that a little bit look at what verse 16 says if anyone suffers as a christian let them not be ashamed and we'll talk about that more in a minute but let them glorify god in this matter Suffering. I, I, I said to Peggy a, a few times this week, this isn't an easy passage to talk about suffering, right? Now, let me, let me just get, make one thing clear from this passage, and you're going to see this as we, go th- as we go through it. This is not talking about just going through difficult times in life, right? I'm, I'm probably enough of a communicator at this stage of my life. That I could sit up here this morning, notice sit up here, not stand up here, sit up here this morning and and tell you my problems, and I could probably get some of you to feel badly for me. I probably could, right? There are others here that would say, wait a minute, get Mel, give me the mic, let me talk, and you could tell about your problems, and and honestly, there are some that would be incredibly worse than what I've gone through in my life. That is not the gist of this passage. One of the things that I want you to understand about about suffering, going through hard times, is that God is sovereign. God always, always has a purpose for what He does. And the Bible does give us several reasons why God would allow us to go through problems. He does, right? One of them is for us to get closer to Him. One of those is because God gives us the opportunity through through suffering to share Christ with other people. One of those is that so that we'll pray. One of those is that we'll, we'll glorify God. I mean, there's several of those things why we would go through hard times. But that's not it. This is talking about, and I read this for you. You can look at the passage, and you can see the, uh, what, the, five, the five points that I have this morning. This is talking about suffering for the cause of Christ. I don't think we've done that a lot, right? I know all of us have gone through difficult times. Some of you have gone through incredibly difficult times. But those of us that are believers, the Bible tells us. First there 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, all those and I have a slide about this later on, all of those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So here in 2 Peter or here in 1 Peter, Tim Paul I'm okay. Peter is writing to a group of believers who are going through persecution for the cause of Christ, for Christ's sake. Because of their testimony, because of their verbal, their visible testimony in Jesus Christ, that's why they were suffering. Um, again, I, I don't know if we're going to get the PowerPoint going or we're not. Okay, but, but let me just give you an illustration, which you have there in your notes, okay? Okay. Notice, if you will, my slide, which is a desert, okay? Last week's slide was a, a sunset over the ocean, living so that God is glorified, and we look and certainly see the hand of God. And uh, this week I picked a desert place, and and here's why. One of the most familiar, popular <clears throat> um, Christian songs probably in the last decade, has been "Blessed Be Your Name" by Matt Redman. Right? We've sang it here before. You know that song, right? Um, I uh, I copied it and put some of the lyrics here in the text. And let me read as far as uh, as as we'll talk about the desert place. Matt Redman <coughs> writes this: "Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name." And we love that, pl- where the land is plentiful and there's streams of abundance. But then he also writes, blessed be, your, blessed be your name when I'm found in that desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. And I, I highlighted that song, at least in my mind, because that points out the emotions of, of life. Last week we talked about living so that God is glorified and the, sun, the sunset, praise God, and all of this. In this passage, we're talking about we're talking about suffering, suffering for um, the cause of Christ. So, what I want to do is talk with you about five key principles about suffering for the glory of God. And number one, you can read this all the way through as we go through this passage. And I'm going to again use PowerPoint and just highlight a couple of things. And we're going to do this we're going to do this quickly. But number one, the first principle in number one that you have there in your notes. Is that Christians should expect to face trials. Now, by the magic of Microsoft, I've done this before. We're going I'm gonna show you. I I think I think we got it. No? Okay. Pardon me? Okay. Lou, hit the next one then. Let, let's go back through the passage. You'll notice the pat the, the the phrases that I highlighted point out what I just said. Look what it said. The, Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. Peter was writing and he said. You are going to go through hard times, fiery trials. He says, you are going to partake of Christ's suffering. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. We, that was kind of the idea of communion this morning. Here's another one. You are reproached for the name of Christ. Luke next slide. It says says, next slide, you're going to suffer as a Christian. It says, judgment will begin at the house of God and those who suffer according to the will of God. So again, I want you to understand that Christians should expect to face suffering for being a Christian. We haven't had to go through that a lot. But I think one of the things, if Peter were here alive, humanly, to be able to talk to us, I think he would say, okay, maybe not, but he wants us to be prepared for going through that. One of the things that happens in life, the Bible talks about that, is that we will... It should expect to suffer for the cause of Christ, as I mentioned before. Second Timothy chapter three, Paul was right. Paul, the Apostle Paul in Second Timothy, was writing to his student, was writing to his disciple Timothy, and he said this: All who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. He was preparing Timothy to go through some hard times as well. And so you look at that and you realize, oh, okay, my goodness, there are there, there are going to be hard times for us being a believer, and so on. One of the things that I want you to notice about this passage is that the Bible gives us, I'm going to suggest two really, I think, really, really clear strategies for when that suffering comes. Number one is found right here in the passage. Drop down a few verses. We'll talk more about this in just a minute. But drop down to verse 17 with me for a minute. Peter writes in verse 17, 1 Peter, 417 he writes this for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of god and if it begins with us first what will the end of those who do not obey the gospel of god now this passage also there's some very serious things and at the end of this passage he talks about the judgment that's coming for those who do not know christ who have not put their faith and trust in jesus christ and then he uses that phrase for those who do not obey in other words, those of us who are believers need to, need to obey, and those who aren't believers will not obey. So let's, let's camp on that idea of obeying a little bit. God has given us His Word. And we've talked about that a lot here in our church the last, the last few months. God's Word, if you will, is an owner's manual for life. And one of the things I think that we need to understand about suffering is when suffering happens. And I'm going to say here, whether or not that's just going through hard times or when suffering happens because we're reproached, as Peter would say, for the cause of Christ, that when that happens, folks, that needs to drive us to the Word of God. God's Word has answers. Yesterday, I was uh, at a conference for volunteer youth workers up that those it was uh, for volunteer church ministries up in new york um, and pastor lee was there by the way and colleen and they said to say hello uh, but one of the things that i was talking to volunteer youth workers about is about teenagers today currently uh, sociologists are calling gen z uh, generation z the t- current teenagers and we're talking about how many young people today have hard questions And one of the things that I said to the youth workers, which is what I want to talk with you about this morning, and also remind myself, is there's lots of times in life that we don't have answers, right? That we don't know what to do. There's been lots of times in my ministry, frankly, where I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. And I think in those cases, if we can help people go back to the Word of God, God's Word has answers. And God's Word can handle the tough questions of life, right? And I think God's Word is clear that if we know the Word of God, if we can obey the Word of God, then that's strategy number one. Uh, when we're going through hard times, folks, I think it's, it's critical that those hard times drive us to the Word of God. There's one other thing I want you to remember. I asked Dave to read the 23rd Psalm this morning. Um, actually, well, I think one of the reasons um, is because the 23rd Psalm is in my mind is a week ago I was at a different youth workers conference and the speaker preached a series of messages on Psalm 23. Now I, I put that I know you know this and probably a lot of us here in, the bo- in, in this room have Psalm 23 memorized, right? Uh, probably a lot of you do. And I know you know this and uh, yeah, we this is a psalm that we break out at funerals and all of that and I know you know this and, and, and one of the things that I, that this speaker said at this conference I was at t- like two weeks ago, he said, if you were to read Psalm 23, and you have it there in your bulletin, if you were to read Psalm 23 and stop after the first two words, that would be enough. And I love that, the Lord. So here's my point about this. The resources that we have when we go through trials We have the Word of God, but also we have the presence of God. Dave read this, and I know you know this, but let me read the 23rd Psalm. You have it, okay? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And then this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, for the presence of the Lord. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, the comfort of that. My cup of blessing runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I love that. I love how Psalm 23 talks about the presence of God. And I love even what that speaker said. You could stop after the first two words. The word Lord there, you can tell in the Bible, It's all, all the letters are capitalized. It's the word for Yahweh. It's the word for Jehovah. It's the all encompassing God of the universe, sovereign God. But there's one thing about Psalm 23 which is true about life. You read through it, and there are valleys in life, right? And there are times in life where we have to face the shadow of death. You read through the psalm, and you come to the part where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There are enemies in life. I I have talked with you about this before, but it's been months. 2 Timothy is the last book that the Apostle Paul wrote. And at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul writes about people, some of them who disappointed. And he writes about a guy by the name of Alexander, the coppersmith. And Paul writes, he did me much evil. There are enemies of the cross, right? There are enemies who are out against the cause of Christ. There's valleys, there's shadow of death, there's enemies. He goes on to say, I will fear no evil. And the point about that is there is evil in the world. Okay? So I think number one, okay, is serious. And that is those of us that are believers should expect to face suffering. And that's what Peter was saying. But I think God has given us a couple of incredible resources when that happens to us. I think that's what Peter wanted his readers to grasp. When it happens remember you have the word of God. Obey the scriptures. And number two, remember God is there. The presence of God. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be shadow of death. There's going to be evil. There's going to be enemies. God is there all the way through that. This week, because of this passage, it reminded me, and I I didn't want to make this too heavy. I want this to be encouraging because I think that was what Peter's intent was here. But I, I was reading about some of the in, in church history about some of the most well-known Christian martyrs that really did suffer and in some cases had to die. And I, I, I read about a guy by the name of John Huss who actually lived in Prague, which is now part of Czech Republic, Czechoslovakia. And he was a guy that was actually burnt at the stake. And uh, that their marker is still there. Christy's been there in Prague and bend to that site where the reformer... This is years before Martin Luther, by the way, in in Europe. John Huss was burned at the stake, and he rejoiced. Here he died for the cause of Christ, and he was rejoicing and praising God that he could die, so much so that the followers, the people, the king, had everybody come to watch John Huss be burned at the stake, and his attitude was such a blessing to others that though some people came to Christ and God used him to launch a revival because of his reaction, okay? And so, I, again, I think when suffering happens, the Apostle Peter wrote, and it's likely to happen, that we have a couple incredible resources that can see us through. One is the Word of God that will not pass away. And then we have the presence of God, which is an incredible resource. Number two, quickly, number two in this passage. We can rejoice, Really? When we suffer for Christ. We can rejoice, verse 13 says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. Honestly, I want to say, are you kidding me? Really? And yet, several times in Scripture, God tells us that, that we can rejoice. One of the things, I think, that leads us to rejoicing is when Peter writes, That we can partake of his suffering. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, there's an interesting verse there that says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's the same kind of idea that Peter wrote. The Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul were writing about the same thing. And he says, that one of the reasons that we could rejoice is that God gave us the opportunity to go through the same things that the Lord Jesus Christ went through. The dumb human illustration, right? But have you ever heard the saying, well, you had to be there, right? Uh, and you, you have. But if you go through something with somebody that maybe is an incredible blessing or maybe incredibly hard, you have something in common. And for the rest of your lives, you look back and you say, man, wasn't that encouraging or wasn't that hard and you get it because that person went through that with you and someone else overhears the conversation and you try to explain that to them and we're like well uh you kind of had to be there okay peter is writing and he says partake of the sufferings of christ and one of the things that we get to do is communion and we get to think about that and remember what christ did but also suffering gives us the opportunity to realize that we're going to go through it together and that gives us something in common with even the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think in that we can rejoice. Does that make sense? Okay, the next one goes along with that, number three. Number three says we are blessed. We are blessed when we suffer for Christ. Look at the next verse. It says verse 14. But if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. And upon their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, he is glorified. And that we talked about that glo- suffering for the glory of God. We are blessed. So look look at the point there. And it says there, I underlined that in, in verse 14. Blessed. The idea of blessing there. And you know, that's a word that we still use today. We get that. If, if I were to... Um, bless you i could give you something or i could help you and that would be a blessing but this is a category of blessings all right that god has given us several blessings and i think this is one of those things that again when i read that and studied that to get ready for this morning i I was asking myself really like like a plurality of blessings like many blessings and and really that uh, that is the idea here um James chapter 1, verse 3, I love this phrase. It says, but my my brethren, James, the Apostle James is writing now, and he says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Again, I want to say count it all joy, but there is joy. We talked about that already, and one of the things is that because we have the privilege, we're going to talk about that at the end, of going through something for the cause of Christ. But that idea... I underlined that, too, the idea of count. Many of us grew up studying King James, right? And the King James word is consider. But I like the word count, okay? Think, just again, probably a dumb illustration. But uh, if you were to go home today and break open your piggy bank, you know, spread it all out on the table, and count your change, right? I mean, the bank doesn't even want you to bring in change anymore. You gotta count it all out. I got all your panties, got all your nickels, and all your dimes. You are going through a thought process, right, of counting. And so the word consider kinda means like think it through. But the word count, we get that. You know, spread it out, count. Okay, I got one penny, I got two penny, I got three to go through that process of counting. So we get that. I don't know, I'm not I'm not a musician. Every every Sunday when I put on one of these mics, it it scares the heebie jeebies. Is it okay to say that, heebie-jeebies? I sound like my dad just then. Uh, it does scare me that someone's going to hear me singing. Believe me, no one wants to hear Mel sing. No one wants to sing. And so I'm, all, I'm always afraid of that. But I I kind of had this, I guess, when I, when you go through a message like this, when you study a message like that, um, you probably do the same thing. Songs come to mind? Is, is that something that you do? Well, here's an oldie. You can actually tell it's an oldie because this w- this was on the internet. I mean, this isn't the old version. But when I was a kid, we used to sing this song, right? And the song is, Count Your Blessings. Can I read part of this to you, the illustration? The idea of blessings when we go through sufferings and to count, right? Here it is. When, and, and some of the language we don't use anymore, but... Um, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And then he writes this, And it will surprise you. You know it, right, Carol? What the Lord has done. I love that phrase. When you sit down, you count them out. You're, sometimes, sometime, I, I, I told you about that, going through that breathing problem during the winter and nights that I couldn't sleep. Sometimes I, 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 try, I try to do the right thing. I tried to read scriptures, I tried to pray. And there were times that you just have to think and you have to count the blessings, right? And I did that. And it says, Count the many bless- many blessings, name them one by one, and you'll be surprised. At the hand of God, and you'll be surprised at what the Lord has done. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. I think that's the idea here that Peter was writing about. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. That God has blessings in store for you. You look back, and you'll see the hand of God. You'll see the blessings of God. And I think the songwriter from years ago would say, You'd say, "Yes, yeah, see, see the hand of God. God is with you. Look what it says in that passage. Blessed are you for the glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed on the people who don't know Christ. But on your part, he's glorified. And I love that, that God, is, that God is with you. And also, I think we can, and this is the theme of today, to go through this to realize that God is glorified through you. Number four. Number four, God is glorified when we have confidence in trials. The next two verses, look at verses fifteen and sixteen. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matter. That tells us, how, you know, how God thinks of all of those kinds of things. In other words, that suffering could be considered justified. You you messed up. I mean, and, and that that suffering. But if anyone verse sixteen, if anyone suffers as a Christian, I love it when the new the New Testament uses the word Christian. We use it a lot today, but the idea in the New Testament is little Christ or baby Christ, followers of Christ. And that's the idea of a Christian. So we suffer for being a little bit like Christ. Um, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Now, our language today the word the word ashamed for a minute let them not be ashamed if you have your bibles turn with me to that passage i highlighted and, and we're going to we're going to do this quickly but if you have your bibles turn with me back to second timothy that idea of, of ashamed if if okay now if i were to say i'm i'm ashamed it'd be like oh my goodness i'm blushing you know i'm 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 ashamed that's really not the idea when peter and in in second timothy paul uses that word ashamed. The idea there is really not to be afraid of external circumstances. So can I give you a Bible illustration from 2nd Timothy? In 2nd Timothy chapter 1, here the apostle Paul uses that word ashamed three different times in 2nd Timothy in 2nd Timothy 1. And, and let me just do this quickly, a little bit of a journey through 2nd Timothy because of that word ashamed, which I, I put in my notes when we have confidence, not to be afraid of external circumstances, but we have confidence in the when we when God gives us that confidence. So second Timothy, so look look at all verse eight. Paul writes in second in Timothy, therefore, because of what he just said, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God, don't be ashamed, Paul wrote. Drop down a few verses, verse, in 2 Timothy 1, drop down to verse 12. I love, and I know you know this verse. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. I have confidence, Paul wrote, for I know whom I have believed. That's our confidence. And am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed unto him until that day. Okay? Don't be ashamed. We can have confidence in God, and we know whom we have belief. And then there's one more illustration here. And at the end of 2, Peter, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, Paul uses that word ashamed again. He writes there in verse 16. I'm going to read 16, 17, and 18. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, and I'm probably butchering that name. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Paul is writing from a dungeon prison in Rome. He is about to be martyred. But when he arrived on a when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. Verse 18, the Lord grant to him that he might find mercy from the Lord in that day. And and you know very well how many ways he, Onesiphorus, ministered to me at Ephesus. Ashamed. Okay, in one chapter, Second Timothy 1, the Apostle Paul writes and he uses that word ashamed. He writes about himself, he writes about Timothy, and he writes about this guy by the name of Onesiphorus. Look what it says there. He says, he was not afraid of my, of my chain. And then verse 17 says, when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously. Okay, I think we have to understand that the culture of that day. The apostle Paul is in prison. In a this is not house arrest. This is not where people can come in and you know people can come and go. It's it is, this is a dungeon prison. It's probably during the time of Nero, right? Nero, Nero. You you remember you remember high school. Uh, history class, Nero, Nero fiddled while Rome burned, right? That, he was one of the most brutal dictators of all time. He literally burnt his own city down so that he could rebuild it. Nero supposedly, I talked to you about John Huss before, Nero actually would put Christians, I'm not kidding you, on poles and set them on fire to light his cities. Nero, that he is probably the emperor. 2 Timothy was written in that culture, and and Paul writes later on in chapter 4, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Paul writes that he understands that he's about to die. Okay, in that that Nero, uh, incredibly difficult time for Christians, Onesiphorus shows up. He's from Ephesus. He shows up in Rome to minister to the Apostle Paul. Isn't that isn't that a blessing? Paul's going through this hard time. And a guy by the name of Onesiphorus shows up. And Timothy remembered him back at, back at Ephesus. I love that part of the story. But when he's in Rome, he sought me out very diligently. Okay, you got to realize Rome in that day. You show up in Rome in those days. I mean, folks, there's no Google. There's no GPS, right? He's from Ephesus. So he gets to Rome. Rome, it's a long ways away. He gets to Rome, and he's trying to find Paul and minister to Paul, right? So he asks he asked questions. He said, oh, do you know where Paul is being held? Do you know where Paul... That <gasps> and notice in this passage, it says in the beginning, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, not to Onesiphorus. There are a lot of commentators that write because of that language. That because of this, Onesiphorus was also captured and tortured and killed for trying to have a ministry in the life of the Apostle Paul. The Lord grant unto him that he might find mercy of the Lord in that day. So here's a real-life example, Onesiphorus, from centuries ago, who was not ashamed. He was had that confidence to live for God no matter, no matter what he had to go through. And I thought about that a lot. You tell those stories, and I'm not, honestly, I'm not trying to be morbid with my stories today or anything. But to realize that uh, when we go through hard times for the cause of Christ, we can rejoice. God, uh, we have something in common even with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can count our many blessings, and to realize that we can have confidence to do that because it's a God given thing that gives us the confidence to not be ashamed to take a stand for Christ. That, right, I mean that kind of ought to, kind of ought motivate us to do more about what we can do today. Right, number five, and I'm done. Number five, back in First Peter chapter four, and this kind of goes along even with number one. But number five, verse number five, is suffering may be God's will, and I think that's what Peter wanted to people understand is this may be something that god has for you i think if we yeah if we do have to suffer for the cause of christ it makes sense i mean cognitively intellectually that it may it may be god's will for us but it it, it may be coming and i think that's what paul peter wanted his readers to understand is this may be a god thing let me read the verses 17, 18, and 19. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the end of those who do not obey? The, what will be the end of those who do not obey the word of God? We talked about that a little bit. Those who do not obey and those of us who know Christ should obey. Verse 18. If the righteous one is scarcely saved or it's hard for that person to come to Christ. Because, again, I this fits in so well with communion today because of all that jesus did for us where the ungodly and the sinner appear those who didn't put their faith and trust in christ and then verse 19 says therefore let those who suffer according to the will of god commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator i i love that passage now very hard things hard for unbelievers who do not know Christ, the judgment is coming. And I think we, we need to read the text and see what that is. If we haven't put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that day's coming. There may be a time coming for even believers when we have to go through suffering because of our testimony in Jesus Christ. But Peter wraps up this section for suffering, living for the glory of God, suffering for the glory of God, by talking about the will of God. And in all of that, I think here's a, it's a great way to end this paragraph in the text. He talks about God as being a faithful creator. As far as I know, as far as I could find out, maybe uh, Luke and Levi that are here are Bible college students, maybe you can prove me right or prove me wrong. But as far as I know, this is the only time in the whole New Testament that this word for creator is used. Faithful creator. Creator. And I think it's important when we go through difficult times or when we go through times and Peter would say, Paul would say, that day may be coming to understand that we serve a faithful creator. God is in charge. That God is the creator. God is the creator who spoke and the universe came into being you watch the news this week, a picture of a black hole, right? And inside the black hole, things disintegrate into nothingness. The universe was nothing, and God spoke, and the universe came into being. Faithful creator, God, that God, the power of that God is with us. And you know something else Peter would say? He's faithful he's faithful one other passage and i am done there's an account in acts or several accounts in acts of people who went through difficult times for the cause of christ in acts chapter four there's a story of peter and the apostles and how they were tried for being bold about their faith and how they were beaten acts chapter four it says this i'm just going to read the end of this chapter acts chapter 5 it says and after this trial that uh, when they had called the apostles and beaten them they commanded that they should not speak in the name of jesus and let them go they were actually beaten physically for talking about jesus verse 41 says so they departed from the presence of the council peter and the other apostles and it says this rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And then it says, And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I think Peter would say, if he were here physically today, I think Peter would say, yeah, trials are coming. Trials where we're going to suffer for the cause of Christ. But I think Peter would say, yeah, during those times, you can count your many blessings. You can rejoice because Christ has gone through it too. But I think he would say, we have the word of God. We have the presence of God. But we have a faithful creator, the God of the universe. And I think even though it's a difficult message, difficult to talk about suffering, it is. It always is. But I think we can rejoice. And I think we can be blessed by realizing the resources that God has given us to go through that. And folks, yeah, next week is Easter but if you're here, do not have that confidence that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. You can have that confidence But because when times get tough we want to have that confidence that this is real. That this is real. That our faith is real. That someday this is all going to be gone and we're going to stand before an almighty God, Jesus Christ, right? Let me pray and we'll be done. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for uh, even passages that talk about suffering. Yeah, that's that's not easy. And yet, out of and we we haven't really experienced that very much. Maybe a little bit. People laugh or snicker. Don't want. Sometimes don't want us around. Being Christians, we we get that. But when we talk about apostles being beaten and martyrs being killed, God, we realize that, uh, that it's hard. It's difficult. And yet, your word would say that that, that day is coming where we may again have to suffer. And people all around the world are suffering just for being believers for the name of Christ. And so, God, I just pray that you prepare us for that and help us to rely even now on your resources, the Word of God, the presence of God, to realize that we have that faithful Creator. And, Father, that we have the confidence that in uh, trials but also in the day of judgment, the confidence of not being ashamed is because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our confidence in eternal life father i thank you that your word gives us that kind of confidence to stand in trials but to stand in eternity because of jesus christ father i thank you for your word i thank you for the gospel thank you for the good news thank you for our church and just pray that you'd continue to use this church use your people use your word mighty ways for your glory for eternity in jesus name we pray Uh, folks thank you thanks for listening this yeah the suffering uh that's it yeah it's a tough tough thing to go through but i think it's important i think peter would say it's important for us to think that through because that day's coming hey we're gonna have lunch together right amy or somebody uh, somebody have instructions for us somebody (laughs) hey uh let's let's pray for the food Uh, maybe i will pray three times in a row I'll tell you what, Dan, it's your birthday. Lead us in prayer, Dan, would you please, for the food. And then, yeah, just go through the line and come back, and we're going to hang out for a while and eat. Dan, thanks. But. that song, Count Your Many Blessings, right? I grew up with it. Me too. But um, I used to work at a Christian bookstore called Gifts Above, and there was a mm-hmm. present that you could buy. It was in the frame, and it said, when I count my blessings, I count you twice. Wow. And I thought that was that's so that's beautiful. That's cool. That's cool. You know? I just Amen. wanted to mention that, Yeah, too. thank you. That's great. That's I love that. We did a song. We did that song, Count Your Many Blessings, name them one by one. We did that with our puppets one time. Oh, yeah. Oh, we I think that song was written in the 1800s. Yeah. If I remember right. Yeah. 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 Count your many blessings. Um, there's a book out there that, that, that they sell a lot of, because I went to the Alliance Church oh, yeah. for years, yep. and um, they sang all those songs, and it has an explanation of how the, why they wrote it, why they wrote the story. It's the story behind the song. It's so interesting. Oh, well, I, I, lo- that I love those, those stories. Yep, yeah, yep. They're really interesting. Thank you. For lunch, and we're going to have lunch here at the church. Okay, they're going to have food for us. So yeah, you you can hang out with Elijah. But wait, wait, head. When you go through the line and get your food, wait for me. Okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go eat with you. Okay, okay. Good morning. That was very good, i Well, sir. praise the Lord. Thank you. I'm a pastor's wife. So what's, I'm your, a, what's your name? Catherine Bowers. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I'm Deans. I got it. I figured yeah. that out. Yeah. And, yeah. and they just moved you yesterday, right? That's right. Boy, yeah. That was very hard. Yeah. My husband was. I hear he had lots of books. That's what I heard. Yeah. He had a lot of books, but he also. What happened with this? We think you might have been out of range. I kept trying to to connect and it kept asking for a password. It kept asking for a four-digit key. So, I don't know. I mean, here it is right here. (laughs) Click connect. No, I have the exact same one that I used. Are you a a Mac or a uh, am a PC. I'm a PC, but I've used it on the Mac before. I don't know, it's just, it just, it may be the distance. See, but it keeps, it keeps giving me. Where I was yesterday, they had the exact same thing. What they did is is give a USB, okay, same thing. They put the USB.